In episode 61, we introduce Michelle LeClaire, Executive Director of Buckham Gallery in downtown Flint, Michigan. She shares the mission of this visionary art nonprofit. Welcome to Art Ladders, The Creative Climb with Valerie Allen and Armin Mersman. This podcast is focused on interviews, features, and stories about art. It's for artists and art lovers. I'm Val. I'm the abstract artist in the group, joined by Armin, the realist. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Art Ladders, The Creative Climb. And this is episode 61. And I'm going to say hi to Armin, my partner in crime out there. Hi, Armin. How are you? Good, good. <laughs> so we do this together. And this is our routine every other week. And this week we have an interview happening. So I am happy to introduce Michelle LeClaire, Executive Director of Buckham Gallery in Flint, Michigan. And we are going to start a discussion with her about gallery life and nonprofits. Armin, do you want to lead with the first question for Michelle? Sure. Hi, Michelle. Uh, <laughs> hi. Michelle. <laughs> Thank um, you so much for having me here today. Oh, you are welcome. We're thrilled you're here. Thank you. I've had the pleasure of uh, showing at Buckham a couple of times, and it's always a marvelous experience mm -hmm. to show there. But because our, we have international listeners, I want to talk a little bit in the beginning about the, the general idea of nonprofit galleries versus uh, a regular profit gallery. Uh, I worked for many years as a curator at the Midland Center for the Arts and was nonprofit. And uh, mm -hmm. and, and some, some, some different uh, organizations handle that differently. Uh, some of them are geared, they want to sell. Some of them don't want to sell at all because, you know, they're not profit. They want to sell. <laughs> yeah. So what do, you, what do you think, Michelle, about the advantages and disadvantages of nonprofit uh, galleries? Toward the yeah. audience, right? Yeah. Right, right. Well, definitely there's there's both sides of that for the audience and for the audience. Um mm -hmm. So for artists, you know, who are looking to sell their work, they're frequently looking for those sort of commercial ventures. Um, but that's, I think it's hard for the commercial gallery because they have to show the type of work that they think they can sell because they have to beat their rent, they have to pay their staff, they have to keep the lights on, um, advertise. So they are usually have a, each gallery has a certain scope for what they are looking for because they have their clientele, they're searching for certain types of art. Um, the nonprofit, you know, of course they each, nonprofit organization has a different mission um, and what they're specifically looking for. Um, but they, like for Bacham, you know, is our mission to present a broad range of innovative contemporary art, both visual and non-visual um, of the highest quality and standard because we want to enrich our community. So we are can show artists that we aren't necessarily um, trying to make a profit off of. 
Um, mm -hmm. And being in a city like Flint, um, which we all know uh, Flint, Michigan's um, reputation, um, but <laughs> it really is a wonderful place and it has a very vibrant cultural arts community um, because of foundations and um, other grant funding that allows us to survive. So we are able to show work without necessarily um, having to sell it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Flint is a strong art town, uh, you know, uh, and I think it always has been. Of course, it has its problems and, you know, people will focus in on those problems. And, mm -hmm. you know, you know, when I say I'm having a show in Flint, Michigan, there, oh, don't drink the water, you know, I, <laughs> this kind of stuff. So um, I think Flint has always been a really good art town. You know, I've been showing... Uh, I forgot the name of the gallery that was there years ago. Oh, the Left Bank. Left yeah. Bank. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I had a solo show there in my twenties, so it's been it's been a long time. But mm -hmm. uh, do you think that uh, um, by what you're saying, nonprofit galleries can show very experimental stuff mm -hmm. that would never go in a gallery, or if a gallery has you know, relies a lot on abstract art. You can't, you can't really show realism and vice versa. And there's a price point in some galleries and we're with you that probably doesn't really account for anything. Right. And the other advantage, um, with a lot of commercial galleries, they take a 50% commission and a oh. nonprofit like us takes a far smaller commission. Um, like our members only a 30%, 35% for our non-members um, mm -hmm. because we are largely funded by those grants and donations mm -hmm. and, and point. other fundraising efforts. Right. Good, so, good point. And, you know, uh, I wanted to just name drop a little bit here, but we had John Seed here for an episode. Oh, and yeah. he was talking a little bit about the Midwest art, in particular, the art that he saw through viewing the uh, jury process for your um, disrupted realism show. And he mentioned, you mentioned you're able to show more experimental artists and just the general vibe of Flint area having these major social practice issues come up. And so the artists in that area really speak to those themes. And that's not always a sellable type piece of art. You know what I mean? So it's wonderful that nonprofits have the funding through grants and foundations that that voice can be heard, which sounds like it ties right to your mission statement. Sure does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> great, great. Um, tell us about your route and background to being executive director of a major nonprofit in the region. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, so I studied um, at the Pennsylvania Academy of the Fine Arts. Wonderful. I did the certificate program, so the four-year degree. My undergrad concentration was in printmaking, um, mm -hmm. although when I showed up there, I thought I'd be a sculptor. <laughs> but <laughs> I just loved the printmaking faculty and the um, community of that. And um, after... I had my four-year certificate. I took a year off and traveled and worked and went back and did my master's degree uh, in painting, um, studying with like Scott Noel, Irvin Petlin, Vincent Desiderio, Catherine Bradford, and then favorites like Mark Gravitt, Um, and really just sort of felt like I got the well-rounded overall education um, through the, the academy. 
after that, I went and worked for a nonprofit arts um, institute for arts and education. Um, mm-hmm. It's about bringing arts programming into the public schools. Um, and I was a studio assistant for Osvaldo Romberg, um, who was definitely a more conceptual artist of, but was able to like learn this whole other side of making art. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and sort of those experiences uh, and exposure to people they were bringing through the Slot Foundation there in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And then jump fast forward uh, to a couple moves and mm-hmm. everything. When my family and I moved to Flint, Michigan, um, we became artist members at fuck them because we were really trying to get involved in the community here in the area and that was 2016 um, and just started showing with fuck them and volunteering Mm -hmm. and in late 2018 I was hired as the exhibitions director very part-time and then it Mm -hmm. slowly grew over two years Um, and as exhibitions director I really helped bring back those uh, call for entry, different theme mm-hmm. shows with like Eros and Thanatos um, mm-hmm. and later Disrupted Realism, working mm-hmm. with other um, jurors from outside of the area and really starting to build up our national recognition. Regional slowly more and then slowly right. more national recognition mm-hmm. using like John Seed as yes. a, um, a guest juror. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, in late 2020, the, my predecessor, Lynn Penning, was ready to retire, and she had been mm-hmm. sort of grooming me for this position, and the board asked me to stay on for a smooth transition as executive mm-hmm. director. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> wow. now I, I still oversee the artistic programming um, in our mm-hmm. community, community of artists. Um, as part of the organization and uh, do for grant writing and fundraising and I have um, my colleague Katie Cotton works with me she's our um, uh, projects and communications coordinator she's a graphic designer and helps with all of our online programming and the website and um, it's really it's two of us we hang the shows and <laughs> wow yeah <laughs> all the things you get all the things done. Between the you, you then started yeah. basically with COVID. Yes. So yeah. that must have freaked you out a bit. <laughs> it was, yes, it was hard because I have, you know, school-aged children and they were at home oh. doing online school and um that fall and i had been mostly working only 30 hours a week largely from home and then as executive director needing to be you know back in the gallery more mm-hmm. um uh and balancing all i don't know it, it was it was a learning experience <laughs> right right we all kind of uh yeah. waded through that together and how to, to right. i was working at a as a curator at a non profit during that time too so you you become inventive you you know you were mentioning you did a lot of uh, online presentations that are now out there on YouTube the videos mm-hmm. that you would do with artists and so now mm-hmm. you have a library of of that uh, vocabulary out there for folks right there's like 30 or more of them now oh, these different wonderful. artist conversations that we've recorded and then we've also moved to these like online viewing rooms so that people you know who weren't necessarily traveling from outside of Flint into the gallery spaces to see the shows to look at them online. 
Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I think that's one of the silver linings of COVID is that it brought the average person into understanding how you communicate on a computer. You know, I, I was I was teaching at uh, the atelier down in Detroit when this happened, and all of a sudden, I'm forced to do all this Zoom stuff, and I'm like, I had to get equipment, better microphones, this, that, and the other thing. And so it, it was definitely a learning curve. But, you know, other than the horrible thing about COVID, I'm much better at uh, presenting myself to the public mm -hmm. as an artist and educator and things like that. So, mm -hmm. yeah. You know, you, you mentioned your mission statement. It's a wonderful statement. Um, can you give us some history of Buckham? How, when did it start? How did it start? Yeah, of course. Um, mm -hmm. So Buckham Fine Arts Project was founded in 1984 uh, by a core group of highly motivated uh, practicing artists, arts teachers, and arts advocates from the Flint area. You know, they were looking for um, an exhibition space to show mm -hmm. their work because several of these artists, you know, like Tom Newsom, Sam Morello, they had <laughs> commercial galleries in New York City, mm -hmm. you know, where yes. they had the certain work that they had to show there. But they mm -hmm. wanted, you know, when they're playing around and they also wanted mm -hmm. a community to sort of, you know, keep each other motivated and working and having that dialogue that you mentioned that even the two of you have that weekly dialogue, mm -hmm. you know, talking about creative practices, that's so important mm -hmm. to uh, an artist. So they you know, help found this group so they could show their experimental stuff. They could encourage each other to keep pushing harder. Uh -huh. um, and it was an exhibition space, but they also, you know, they were, they were actors involved. They did theater productions. They had readings. Um, I believe in the late eighties, Allen Ginsberg was there and did a reading, <laughs> you know, yeah. so it was like all the, I mean, it's really an incredibly rich um, history. So mm -hmm. no, that was in a different space, right? It was. So the original gallery space was from 1984 to 2019. And it was on the second floor of this beautiful vintage building in downtown Flint. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so it, it required the artist and visitors to climb up that steep, narrow staircase, carrying their artworks or yes, um, occasionally carrying people <laughs> up the stairs. Uh -huh. um, so fortunately, um, thanks to funding from the Charles Stewart Mott Foundation and mm -hmm. help from URC, we were able to move into this newly renovated building, um, just downstairs, catty corner from the original space. Um, mm -hmm. And it's street level, gorgeous windows, um, sort of museum quality. And they sort of really tailored it for us. So we have movable walls and they, <laughs> what I love is there's plywood behind the drywall oh, so we can nice. hang the heavier stuff on the walls you know which yeah. is yes. a question yeah, yeah. Good <laughs> that, makes, that, that makes a big difference we i was a curator at the midland center for the arts and for years i hung work and you know that you know the drywall behind that and the yeah. you know i mean the wood behind that made a big difference yes it sure was it sounds like your community support and the uh, foundation support is just wonderful. And you have, do you operate with a board as well? Oh, sure. Yes. Uh, we have a, we currently have 11 members of our, of our board of directors. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah. I'm always curious with boards of nonprofits, especially visual art nonprofits, their their background, their makeup. Can you kind of generalize what sort of members form your board that can then help guide? Yeah, you know, it's changed a lot over the years, even in the past, um, you know, three years that I mm -hmm. have been the executive director. Um, but we currently, like I said, are up to 11 members and mm -hmm. we have probably four or five practicing artists. Um, we have eight of them have nonprofit administrative experience. Um, and several of them have fine arts degrees or literary arts degrees or mm -hmm. some music backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And do you have that business side covered with some of the members? I know sometimes maybe bit, attorney yeah. or yeah, but it's really well, interesting that that your board has a lot of practicing artists. I love that approach. It was built into our bylaws. Oh, our that founders is so were smart. so forward thinking. Um, they really it is it is strictly speak, spoken in there that it has to be at least well a third. Um, uh, practicing artists on the board. That yeah. is amazing. Artist members. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've both worked for nonprofits, and that's not always the case mm -hmm. that there's the artist voice right on the board. That's mm -hmm. that's wonderful. I did I did not I didn't know that. How do you find you know if anybody out there listening to a podcast, they might be at a time in their life when they would love to be on a board of a nonprofit. Any tips or how do you look for your member or board members? Yeah, um, well, I mean, I guess the very basic level is they have to be members of our collective. So oh. we have um, artists, collaborators, and sustaining members, which could be professionals, um, mm -hmm. and, and those are, make up our collective. But we were running on a short board for a couple of years. We were running mm -hmm. short with only six members. And so last year, I put out a call for board members. Mm -hmm. I just really put together concise, like, this is what it means to be on a board you know this is what we're looking for mm -hmm. and i i sponsored a, an event a meet and greet event through nice. social media and we had about 40 people attend oh. you know uh -huh. and from that about oh 15 or so continued a little bit further and we did an onboarding process for about three months leading up to the um annual meeting of our membership where mm -hmm. they vote on and we joined seven, we had seven people join at that seven. time. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. That's, that's, that's good to know. And along that yeah. line, yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say the other thing that we had to really overcome was a little bit of institutional marketing. Um, a lot of people saw because, well, I, you know, I've referred to it as Buckham Fine Arts Project. We are now better known, like 40 years later, we're now better known as Buckham Gallery because, mm -hmm. you know, the ups and downs and had become largely just an exhibition space. Mm -hmm. um, but when I joined in this position um, three years ago, I really tried to re-confirm up our vision and mm -hmm. really rebind back to our bylaws, which is that we're doing not in visual art as well. So building like our writer in residence. And so we had to really promote these other um, non-visual programs that we do. And mm -hmm. so we were able to bring in more um, people interested in supporting the arts. So like, oh, you don't just do visual presentations. You don't have to be an artist exhibiting to be on the board. I mean, mm -hmm. that was a little bit of a, uh, reputation <laughs> oh, sure. to, to overcome. 
yeah. Well, that's that's interesting um, that you branched out into the performing, the literary, the visual. And, you know, that makes for good events for you, doesn't mm-hmm. it? It's mm-hmm. a variety. Do you often curate the type of event to go with the visual art? Is that... Or are they sometimes. each their own, their own identity? Sometimes. Some yeah. of the events, like, um, launched in, oh, okay. Hmm. No, they, they tend to, they, there's a through line through the season, which kind of works, but sometimes mm-hmm. other than the artist talks that go in the gallery that correlate just specifically to the exhibitions, sometimes mm-hmm. it just happens to be another way to bring people in for a different sure. event. And then they get to see the show that's on yes. the wall as well. Keeps it very, the only, yeah, active. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the only thing that is specific and it's less event, it's more of a program. It's our writer in residence. Um, which mm-hmm. was launched in early 2021. And that was to unite Buckham's programming with literary arts and find a way to invite our um, BIPOC community into the gallery. So we are working mm-hmm. with um, BIPOC artists in Genesee County. They come into the gallery to experience the exhibitions in person because we all know the six foot painting looks much different in person than it does on your cell phone. Oh, right? yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in front of the painting, right? Okay. So they come in and they experience the exhibits in person and then they go and they respond to it in their own literary arts. Right. You know, whether it's poetry oh, wow. or genre style. Um, and then we, at the end of their year-long residency, we compile that into a book with their their writing and then images from the exhibitions that they were responding to and have that at the end. So um, that is specific to the exhibitions. Um, mm. And then at the end, when like we just sent our renewest one out to be printed, when it comes back, um, Bob Campbell, who had completed the residency, will come in and do a reading from the book in the gallery. Um, oh, excellent. Um, do your do your writers come from all over the country or are they mainly your region? Um, the, this one is specifically to, uh, specific to Genesee County uh-huh, um, uh-huh. at this time. we One of our major funding sources is the um, Genesee County Millage um, oh. through the the share art fund. So it's, oh. <laughs> we find it's uh, good to find ways to support the artists in our area. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How did uh, the, the name Buckham come about? Oh, that's a good, yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, I believe it's actually location. Um, It was right on the corner of Buckham Alley and 2nd Street. That makes yeah. sense. Then. That makes sense. That's a good question. I never thought of it. Yeah. yeah which in Buckham was an old family in Flint. And I and I only learned about this a couple of years ago. I was doing a, uh, like a Halloween cemetery tour through Greenwood Cemetery here in Flint. And there was a the tombstone. It said Buckham. I, was like, oh. I took a picture. It was gorgeous. But... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So the alley was named after this family, which oh. was named after. <laughs> Okay. I see uh, you have a lot of thematic shows. Uh, uh, I see your presence on uh, social media, which is today uh, quite important. Uh, you might not like it, but you got to do it, right? And uh, I know I spend a lot of time doing things that, oh, I might not be comfortable with, you know as far as pushing my work or, or something like that. But, you know, 
you either don't do it and not get the recognition you need to survive or you do it. You know, and I think your gallery has really been uh, uh, excellent at, at doing those kinds of things. Oh, mm -hmm. thank you. And that's hard to do with a with a two person staff. It's a lot of work to keep up that that social media in, but so important for nonprofits to do that. Yeah, it's you have so a important. Educational component classes or anything like that. We do not. Um, the closest we have is a, an internship for college students. Most of them come from the University of Michigan Flint, and they're. Um, yeah either their arts history or studio arts programs. Um, although mm -hmm. we, we did have one summer, um, a CCS student actually worked with us. Um, okay. So, mm -hmm. um, and that's for sort of hands-on nonprofit experience and with installations and packing and unpacking art. Um, but we, we don't really do the like students. Like, we occasionally some of the, they do yeah. tours in here, but. Yeah. Sure. Well, you have the Flint Institute of Art that does, you know, well with that. Phenomenal. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. They do such a great job. <laughs> yeah. Flint is a great art city. It really is. Uh -huh. You know, speaking of exhibits for artists, and this is kind of the business side of it for artists, how do you recommend artists approach you? Do you have people walking in and saying, oh, I want to be in this gallery or how do you recommend it? I mean, we artists, we kind of do all these things. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, um, we do have people who just walk in and we're uh -huh. like, wow, this is great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and that, that's, that's great having conversations. I love talking to people about it and their work. Um, although, maybe not during a busy event as right. much. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I, the best way is to send an email inquiry mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and that way it starts a conversation and then from there you know we we book our calls all through these like it's through our website it's our our call for entry um, yes. we do the theme shows um, right. we do we're up to two a year of two, just the juried group shows two juried um, group shows okay and then we do an annual call for entry and that's for your solo or group proposals or curatorial proposals. Um, mm -hmm. And that's usually around, it opens around March and closes around May. And that's a little flexible um, mm -hmm. each year. And, and we, mm -hmm. we book a year and a half to two years out. So it's, it's never like going to be the next season. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, so, that, that was the, the road I took to, to, mm -hmm get the show that's opening up in December. I'll talk about that a little bit at the end here, but I'm more interested in the, in your gallery. Um, so some dates that artists need to keep a lookout for you as far as submitting proposals for a show would be usually somewhere around March, you put out a call for that. Mm -hmm. And then... Yeah closes in around May-ish? It does. And it's all through our website. And if you sign up for our newsletters, you'll actually ah, get blasts about you know the calls and we'll, we'll like remind you, okay, two weeks until the deadline. Oh, yes. <laughs> and then yes. a few more days. Um, <laughs> and then uh, through our social media, of course, we announce it. Um, uh -huh. And we do try some sponsored ads. Um, to get the word also. out. Mm -hmm. And then what elements 
would an, let's say an artist is thinking about applying, what are your baseline requirements for that yes, application? Perfect. Um, our we require a basic CV, just um, mm-hmm. your general information, exhibition history, kind of background, not your long-term work um, background. Sure. Um, we takes about, I think, eight to 12 images mm-hmm. um, with a mm-hmm. list of like the titles and medium. Um, and then an artist statement mm-hmm. about your work. And mm-hmm. then a little, it's good to have a little just prepared because I think it's in there, sort of an exhibition narrative, like just describe mm-hmm. what what your vision for the show is because mm-hmm. it is ultimately for the solo show it, it is the artist's vision that we are bringing into the gallery and recreating right do you um does the entire gallery have one solo artist or do you sometimes mix and match solo artists it is usually um a mix and match we carefully mm-hmm. pair two or three solo artists mm-hmm. concurrently in the gallery mm-hmm. and that's where this great with the movable walls we're able to change oh, the space yeah. around for each show and then another time when we have like with upcoming with uh armin's curatorial um proposal mm-hmm. that we can have it much more open depending sure. on how it feels. how the layout is oh ex- yeah oh that's such good information for artists because, uh, you know, if they're listening and this is uh, <laughs> November, they can start mm-hmm. working toward that March deadline. And that would be for your probably your 25, 2025, 2026 <laughs> exhibition that season. Yeah, so far away, but it's not <laughs> in that world. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, so so you're working now. You're you're ending up 2023. Mm-hmm. And moving into 2024, you when yeah. do you make the announcements to the public on your 2024 season of your exhibits? Well, or is it already so happened? <laughs> our seasons run October through okay. September. So uh, it, we are currently oh. in our 40th anniversary exhibition season right Excellent. now. Okay. Um, so it started October 23 through uh, 2024. All right. Um, and we do sort of the public announcement usually in the August leading up to it. Okay. So this this 40th anniversary season has been announced. It's a big deal. Yeah. So they <laughs> so they they go to your website, they can see the season. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Good. Yeah, we started with um one of our founders, Tom Newsom. Um, so you could enter through the past. Um oh. and then we also paired it with um Kiera Eileen Machado, um, and she had been in our BIPOC as a theme exhibition in 2022 and was the recipient of a future exhibition, an honorarium to help her get her work from California to Flint. Um, And then with uh, Ty LaPant. So we had these three shows um, going at the Mm -hmm. same time. And then now we have, um, as I mentioned, we are an artist collective. So we have our collective artist. new work on one half and the other half is uh Teresa Dunn she's a faculty member at Michigan State um with her show us uh-huh. really phenomenal yeah oh wonderful um, you've also started something pretty innovative I feel is you are helping artists with some shipping some honorariums <laughs> yes yeah, it's fabulous <laughs> that doesn't yeah, happen it's all the time partial shipping reimbursement but we're trying yes. you know being a studio artist myself and having that right. background, I understand sort of the challenges of getting your work there. And, and it's, it, 
and also having now been here for five years it's like mm-hmm. wow it, it's a strain and I you know you you just you don't want artists to take on something bigger than they can handle but you want right. them to get it there so how can we help and that that was really when I, I wanted to kind of firm up to that that vision of supporting and nurturing artists you know yes so, that's, that's an um, excellent. Yeah, in in that, I I remember many many a time, you know, uh, at war with packaging peanuts and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, we would get stuff that's you know at the Center for the Arts, we would get stuff from all over the world, and it would be sometimes just almost garbage in there, you know. Mm-hmm. And the packing uh, material. I think we finally made a no no packaging peanuts. <laughs> they're terrible aren't they, they get everywhere they are. yeah the, the struggles of uh curating and the oh I do think like every artist should spend a little time working with a gallery where they have to pack and unpack the work that has come because there's such a wide variety of different methods that artists use to prepare the work. And it's heartbreaking when they just threw a little bubble wrap around it and shoved it in a box and it flopped around and the glass cracked or the Ikea frame came apart or it's just like, there's so many things like that. Even the hanging systems that people use. Mm-hmm. that you know mm-hmm. break as soon as you put it on a wall and you better be better you know you got to catch it and all this that other is. stuff you know yes. um yeah a class know, but, and all of that would be good <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh but packing and unpacking oh my i mean yeah. when i teach art i teach art talk and all this kind of thing the, the latest thing is preparation you know i mean with your work and presentation and make sure it's you know presented nice and that it's strong mm-hmm. you know because it's it's not easy for the curator and you guys hang the shows you know what kind of everything has a different kind of thing everything has a different problem or all that kind of stuff right but what i liked about hanging shows was i could really see the artwork then you know mm-hmm. i always loved hanging show because wow i can now i'm looking at it you know so that was always fun it is the best part. <laughs> That's the best part. Getting That's... to move things around and see the way the different artworks oh, like talk to each other. Yeah. You know, like and you have to look back to the way this wall will then talk to the other wall, the way yeah. the vision for the whole space and walk around. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well That's... you're making you're making art with art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and how this flows into that. It was always yeah. my favorite part of it. The physical hanging of it later on got a little bit. we had some good volunteers to help with that after a while yeah that curator eye it is that's the own creative process in itself and it's it is a wonderful wonderful feeling to get that all done now do you and armin want to talk a little bit about his curatorial exhibit coming up yeah i'd love to oh yeah yay i guess from my side is uh i applied as a curator to to curate four artists and uh uh the show opens december 8th from six to nine and it's called contemporary realism four artists four voices now how did i why did i choose these people you know it kind of looks weird because it's like four old guys (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, that, you've got the experience. I, I should have called that four old guys. No, it's experience, Armin. <laughs> but what it was, it wasn't just the work. I've known these people and worked with these people and have had great discussions about art and art process and about realism, the good, the bad, and the ugly about that. And all four of them, in my eyes, are great realism. But that wasn't the only thing I chose them for. It was also their thoughts about realism and some of the way people don't like realism in the sense of when you just paint a photograph. Uh, it has nothing to do with that. You know, I'm a photographer and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a draftsman. They're, they're completely different things to me. Mm -hmm. One is about the process of being with this piece and spending hundreds of hours with these lines and discovering shadows, discovering little movements that you might you want to change and, you know, don't be a slave to the photo and all that kind of thing. So the four of us who are, are pretty well known in the Michigan area, uh, Robert Sheffman just got it done with a show at the Smithsonian uh, and it's a traveling show now. And uh, so, and Fritz Hondervander is a, he won second at Art Prize, third at Art Prize, uh, does these huge uh, landscapes. And he's just so, that's what, that's what he's done his whole life long. Uh, and Todd Burroughs, he's the director of the, uh, the Atelier School of Art in, in Royal Oak, Michigan. Mm -hmm. And he and I have been friends for 35 years. I used to run a frame store in Chicago and uh well it's 35 years ago and he came in for a job and that's how i met him and we've been lifelong friends and we actually lived together a couple of years uh and uh we had always talked about opening this atelier that he did finally i just don't have the time for it and it's in royal oak it's just too far but i do teach there uh online and in person during the summertime so, you know, it's, it wasn't just about the realistic images because there's contemporary realism all around and there's very good things done by a lot of different people. So my, mine was not, I'm going to choose what I think is the best contemporary realist, but I'm going to choose people I know and why they work in realism. And, you know, in my case, I'm, I'm influenced uh, by abstraction a lot. I live with a great abstractionist, uh, Val Allen here, and uh, and how that's creeping into my realism and all those kinds of things. And, uh, um, you know, they all have a unique style. You think of realism, you think of, okay, somebody's, you know, painting a landscape or a portrait or something like that. And it's much more experimental, I think, in these people. And not like... Um, uh, John C. It's kind of realism that we're talking about here. Um, the disrupted realism. The disrupted, but it's a different kind of thing. So now, I uh, m my work is all about drawing, which is a different flavor, especially in that type of realism. And it's it's been my my emphasis on drawing my whole life, really. You know. I painted, I went to school, I had to do painting, and I did paintings for a while. I'm doing a lot of what's called iPhonography, and I teach classes about it, which brings out the, the experimental side in me. And uh, and I, I probably will have four pieces of that, too, there, just to show that a little bit, too. 
So uh, we're very honored to show at Welcome Gallery. I mean, really, and and the four artists, uh, the, their fans are all excited about the show. And uh, uh, I had to write a, a curator statement on that and and try to uh, think what is it about these these four people, you know, that I really want to bring together. As I said, I was. Uh, curator at the Midland Center for the Arts. So I understood that a little bit. I also know how sometimes difficult it is working with artists because getting that <laughs> stuff on time, you know, the whole herding cats thing. Uh-huh. It's very independent, you know, I, I, I'll call you then, you know, and it's like, oh, man, I hate being part of doing this part, but that was all part of that. But I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this show and uh, I'm looking forward into it because it is in Flint and like I said Flint was always a great art town and Mm -hmm. that gallery is beautiful you know so I'm very proud and And you went through that process that Michelle was talking about yes I did artist didn't you I did yeah and and Michelle when that application came across your desk or your screens what thought process then was, you know, cause you're getting a lot of submissions. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, it's kind of crazy. We, we get over a, like 130 or so uh-huh. submissions That's of each one with anywhere between 12 and for a group show 20, you know, images. And we do it as a blind review. Um, so it's not just me jurying. It starts mm-hmm. with our whole artist collective. So about 15 to 20 of us will go through the poll first round Um of jurying and then it goes on to the exhibition committee so in another you know six or seven people who eventually will it down and then mm-hmm. I take it from there so it really the it stood out um the mm-hmm. quality of the work and the realism we were trying to really put together this like, the season for our 40th anniversary that would be something that our audience would enjoy because they love looking at figurative and representational work but we also wanted things that would make them look a little harder you know and look at so this just seemed to fit perfectly we thought it would you know it's not your straight up like um photorealism you know like Mm -hmm. I had seen um your work uh um Armin um down in uh, Cincinnati once when I went down with Donovan and oh, sure. it was really fantastic um, and was and seen it online of course and I like how it is almost it's uh, detail in in the drawing and the graphite it comes to almost like all this like texture and it's not abstract but it can have that quality mm-hmm. to it because mm-hmm. it's so so close up and detailed and, and texture and I just and the way that plays with um, Robert's realism which I had the the portraits but of a back or in any other like odd unexpected way Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know I just love the way the different ones work together yeah Um, and we're excited for that show because it will be something that uh, that everyone our audience will enjoy but that have to look harder (laughs) right Mm -hmm. well when when when, you know you say well you get the show and then you get a couple years before the show I think that was really Mm -hmm. advantage of it I know that I, you know, I'm not sure if all all four of us are doing a piece just for that show. I know I am, 
And I believe me, I've been burning the midnight oil here. Yeah. <laughs> Deadlines are good. You know, it's like you know, at, at midnight, you're like, ah, you know, <laughs> it starts really getting abstract after midnight. You know? will so. there, um, let's see. I, I, will there be, uh, you'll have the reception, mm -hmm. right? And that's December 8th, December 8th, six to nine, open to the public. Open to the public. Yay. Mm -hmm. um, are there and other actually, events? Okay. You because go this one falls in our um, holiday season, we actually oh. added an extra week to the show. So it's going to get a second art walk. So it's actually going to have um, January 12th, I believe, is a second Friday also. That's so we'll have another six oh, to nine yeah. event. Um, and then other than that, we have possibly uh one of our literary events that will happen oh. during the time but that that's not nailed down uh -huh. yet right right mm -hmm. and what are your business hours at the gallery yeah so we oh. are wednesday through friday from 11 a.m to 5 p.m mm -hmm. and then on saturdays from noon until 5 p.m good that's a good range but we will be closed between uh, Christmas Eve and New Year's Day, which is okay. why we added the extra week at the mm -hmm. end. Mm -hmm. Makes um, sense. Makes sense. Oh, I'm looking forward to being yeah. coming with the Armin to the opening. I can't wait. Fantastic. Yeah, I'll meet you in person. That'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. well, uh, you know, thank you for uh, choosing uh, my idea here because I – you know, to show with these people, I'm very proud of. And uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to it. Yeah. And thank oh. you too, Michelle, for being part of a nonprofit and giving voice to so many artists down there, the hard work that you do. And uh, oh, you. <laughs> it's such a, such a joy to meet you and talk with you today. And you gave so much great information for artists on the practical side of how artists and nonprofits can work together. It's, it's, okay. I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Thank you for being our guest today. Thank you, Michelle. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> Through my art travels, it's always a joy when I meet up with an artist who is familiar with our sponsor, Golden Apple Studio and Residencies. I can tell by the tone of the creative's voice that they are excited to be attending a session in the near future. They made the decision to invest in themselves with a nurturing two weeks on the coast of Ripley Cove in down east Maine, where they will be immersed in art and nature for an atmosphere that will propel them in their art journey. If you are an artist, writer, composer, or musician, consider this gift of a residency for yourself. Plan ahead to 2025 and start a conversation with director and practicing artist Shelley Stevens by email at snstevens at goldenapplestudio.com. She can answer your questions and help you make the best plans for your residency. Be sure to follow Golden Apple Studio and Residency on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you, Shelley, for being our very supportive sponsor. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for listening. You can find our past and future episodes at anchor.fm, Spotify, and Apple Podcast.
Be sure to follow us on our Facebook page, Art Ladders, The Creative Climb, with Valerie Allen and Armin Mersman. Special thanks to our producer, Taylor Kramer of Cold Shower Media. And check out our websites, ValerieAllenArt.com, ArminMersman.com. Stay creative, stay curious, and we'll see you next time.